Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. No announcements, I'm going straight to the Word. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If you're online, I love you so much. And I hope you feel the presence of God in your homes because we definitely feel it in this room. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We, we've been in this series called Higher Learning. And I'm sorry if I get emotional when I talk about how much I love Jesus. I ah. Thugs cry, y'all. We've been in this series called Higher Learning. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit manifests in your life, people gonna see the change in you. They may not see what's changing you, but they will see the change in you. And in this this thing that we've been in called higher learning, trying to get you to see, I've been I've been taking my time. This is not a fifth week, but I've been taking my time over these last few weeks to teach you and give you understanding of the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know, understanding is one thing, experience is another. I want you to have an understanding based upon God's word about the Holy Spirit, but even more than that, I want you to experience the Holy Spirit. I want you to feel its power, but not just in a church service, I want it to manifest every day in your life. So. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, and for this particular verse, I want to read it out of the New King James Version because I love the way that it says it. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same thing from glory to glory. Look at your neighbor and say, from glory to glory. Look at your other neighbor and say, from glory to glory. Being transformed into the same thing from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And the church said, today if you're taking notes on this finale of higher learning, I've entitled it this, glory to glory. Glory to glory. Father God, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you before the earth began to spin on this axis. You knew each and every person that was going to be in this room. You knew everybody that was going to watch online. And God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from the throne room of grace. May hearts, minds, and ears be open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. No matter what valley somebody finds themselves in 
today. Let them know that you want to take them from glory to glory, God. I pray right now that by the time this is all said and done, I pray that people would meet Jesus, but not only that they would meet Jesus, but they would have an encounter with your Holy Spirit that would change them from the inside out, that we would see miracles, signs, and wonders, that the gifts would manifest in this house today, and people would leave forever changed. I pray these things in Jesus' name, and every believer in this place said, give God one more shout of praise. Come on. This series has been called Higher Learning. And here is the truth today. As believers, we're called to live on a higher level. You can't stay on the ground floor of your salvation forever. God is calling all of us higher. And you've heard me preach it before. Never forfeit a higher calling for a lower craving. So many of us are stuck in the desires of this world, but God is calling us higher. There are things that the flesh craves. The Bible says in Galatians that, that the sins of the flesh, he says, they're, they're obvious. The desires of the flesh are obvious. And the Bible also goes on to say that the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. There's a war going on inside of you. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a war going on inside of you. Look at your other neighbor and say, there's a war going on inside of you. Your flesh wants you to die while your spirit wants you to live. And if you submit to a lower craving, then you will never reach your higher calling. God has called you to let go of your flesh and grab a hold of your spirit because when God saves you, he changes you. He calls you to a higher level. And to live higher, you got to live in glory. You need to live in glory. You say, what, what is glory? The denotation of the definition of glory in Webster's is high renown or honor won by notable achievements. When you achieve something. The Denver Nuggets just won the NBA Finals, so now they live in technically in glory because they have won, they achieved a higher honor, right? Another definition is magnificence or great beauty. That's how the world defines glory. And the truth is, it's hard to live in glory when you're stuck living in guilt. A lot of people get saved, but they never fully feel like God has changed them because they can't get past the guilt of their past. So they don't live in the glory that Jesus Christ died for. They live in the guilt that they came from. So many of us can't grab on the glory because it's so hard for us to let go of the guilt. So pastor, how do I live in glory? two things. They won't take me long. The first is this. There's glory in the law. What? Glory in the law? That, that ain't sound like what I thought you was going to say. Well, I want you to understand. The law came by the old covenant. And the law is actually very good. 
I love the law because the law is good. How do I know it's good? Because God is good and the law comes from God. God is good, amen? God is good. He created the law, so therefore, the law is good. I like the law because the law is straightforward. It tells me what God likes and it tells me what God does not like. So, in essence, if I want to know my God, I must understand his law, amen? The law was always meant to point us in the direction of God. The law was meant to expose our faults so that we see the only way we can find freedom is through something perfect because if you stand next to the law, you realize that you're not perfect. Because the law comes from God and God is perfect and the law is good and God is good, so that means the law is perfect and the law is good. But when I stand next to it, I realize I don't measure up. But thank God for Jesus because I don't have to measure up. Because not only is he the fulfillment of the law, he helped create the law. He is the law. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So he is not surprised by the law. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the one that makes the law inadequate for us because he is so perfect that we don't have to worry about measuring up because he has already measured up. Amen? So the law points us back to God, but the issue with the law is though the law can tell you what God likes and though the law can tell you what God does not like, the law does nothing to change your heart. As a matter of fact, the law if you really look at it, it gave us the direction God wanted to go, but it did not give us the power to do what God said. So because it doesn't give us the power to do what God says, it only simply tells us what to do. There is an inherent flaw, not with the law, but once again, the law exposes the flaw in us. I love what 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11 say. These are the verses that precede the one that I talked about where it said we go from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11 say, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which is engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, that's talking about the Ten Commandments that were written on stone, all right? It says if that came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily in the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison, somebody say in comparison, with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? said, Pastor, that's a mouthful, but it's so beautiful. The Apostle Paul was trying to get us to understand something about the Holy Spirit, but he had to tell us about the law first. You see, the law was glorious, he says. That means it was magnificent, it was great. It was beautiful. As a matter of fact, I want to qualify it in scripture. Look at the grandeur in which the law comes to the earth. Look at this. Exodus 19, 16 through 19. This is when Moses 
has the people at Mount Sinai. Look at what it says. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp, they trembled. Then Moses led the people out the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. God did not come quietly. When he gave the law, there was fire. There was a rumbling in the earth. The trumpets blasted. Smoke surrounded the mountain. What was God trying to do to the Israelites? He was trying to make his presence felt by the people. God didn't come passive. He came in glory. He's like, let me show you how much glory I'm going to come in. I'm about to light this mountain on fire. Just so you understand how powerful I actually am. And because I come in power, I'm going to give you my word in power because I don't want you to think that this is a passive law. This is my law that comes from me and it is good. So you got to see it with the power that it comes with. So he gives them these 10 commandments. And when Moses comes down off the mountain with these tablets, the Bible says that his face was so bright that he had to have a veil on because he didn't want to blind the people. God said, I'm going to let some of my glory rest on you so you can see how glorious my law is. The law came from the mountaintop and Moses' face shone bright because of it. Today, we celebrated, we celebrated Shabbat, but we didn't call it that. That's what the Jewish people call it. We called it Pentecost. It was the very first Sunday of this series. And on Shabbat, what happens in every synagogue all over the world, the Ten Commandments or the law is read. And when it is read, because the law is so glorious, you know what the congregation has to do when the law is read? You have to stand. They all stand as the law is being read. Why? Because they want to honor the glory of the Lord. They got to honor the glory of the Lord. But what I find very interesting, though we know there's glory in the law, and as glory is as the law was, the law still can't compare to what came after it. That's what that verse is telling you. It's saying the law was amazing, but there's something even more glorious than the former glory that you experienced. The law... I want to break this down to you so, you so so it's easier and more palatable to understand. The law reminds me of my last car. What? What's she talking about? Anybody have a transition from an old car to a new car? Raise your hand. Have a transition? Old car? A lot of people had that experience, right? In 2005, I thought I was doing something in this world. I graduated from college. I bought my first car for myself. You know, I had the Toyota Corolla before that, but this is my first vehicle that I bought for myself and I bought a 2005 Nissan Titan. I love trucks. So I bought this Titan and I drove that thing into the ground for 15 years. My first vehicle. I, t I took care of it. It was, it, was a it, was, it was awesome. 
But she started to give me some issues. I said, let me trade her in before, you know, something happens. And it's funny, my wife was talking about cars because she didn't know what I was going to talk about today. Um, and I didn't, my next vehicle, I was like, I'm not going to buy it because vehicles depreciate in value as soon as you drive them off the lot. So I said, I'm going to lease it. So what did I do? I'm a creature of habit. When there's something I like, I go back to the same thing. Guess what I got, y'all? Another Nissan Titan. So I got a 2020 Nissan Titan, and I leased it. And it was great, because it was better than my old one. It's like, it, it's, it's everything that I liked in a vehicle. I was like, man, this is dope. I found out last year, um, as my Titan lease was coming to an end, that Nissan, they had discontinued the Titan in Canada. Therefore, that means they're gonna discontinue the Nissan Titan in America. And I was, I was discouraged, I was upset, because I was like, yo, I just started leasing this thing. I thought, I was like, yo, every three years, I'm gonna get a brand new Titan. But they stopped making them in favor of a V6 model called the Nissan Frontier. Now, I ain't got a problem with Frontiers. I love Frontiers, but they a V6 engine. And it's something about that V8 power that I'm just so used to. So I was like, man, if I stay, if I stay with Nissan, I'm gonna have to downgrade from a V8 to a V6. It's like I could stay with it, but I'm gonna lose some power in the process. So I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get out of this. Cause I can't downgrade. I gotta keep my power. So I start shopping around, y'all. And God, the Holy Spirit led me to a ram. I feel taller in a ram. The ram got more room for a brother. I don't need more room, but it got more room. More leg space, more cat. It just looks so much more aggressive. But my favorite thing about the Ram, the Ram has a, has a 5.7 liter Hemi V8 engine. Oh, when I take off, the neighborhood can hear it. I could feel that thing rumbling like something shut up in my bones every time I press the gas. I love the Ram. Let me tell you something. I love Nissan, and Nissan was great, but I loved it all the way up until I got into that Ram. Because that Ram was another level. That Ram was something I had never experienced before. You see, what I had driven for the last 18 years was nice, but ultimately its power was diminishing. I wish, I wish somebody was listening to what I was talking about this morning. See, although I thought I was going to be Nissan till I die, one drive from that Ram made me a believer. And I need somebody to understand what I had was nice until I experienced something else. There's some people in this room and you living on a level of salvation that's down here and you think it's okay. You might think that it's nice, but God has something more for you. Some of y'all need to experience a new thing. I don't know about you. I don't want to keep living off the same old thing, the same old way, because the God I serve says, look, I am doing a new thing. Can you see it? Can you perceive it?
way. He wants you to live a new way. But in order to have a new way, you got to have a new experience. If you believe it, say amen. God's got a better experience for you if you're willing to let go of that old glory and grab on to a new glory. You see, there's glory in the law, but there's also glory in the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 17 says, therefore, I love this, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Don't forget I just said that. We're bold. We are not like Moses. Now the whole first part of the board first talked about the glory of the law and how Moses' face shone bright. But Paul says, I love this because the apostle Paul wrote this. He says, we are not like Moses. Who would have put a veil on his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When you access glory in the Spirit, you access another level of intimacy with God. Some of y'all need another level of intimacy with God. I love it because Paul uses Moses in this passage as a representation of the old covenant, the old way of doing things, an old example to describe intimacy because it talks about Moses wearing a veil. What does a veil do? A veil is meant to cover something. A veil is meant to hide something. Moses wore a veil to cover his face from the people. Why? Y'all remember for a few years we had to walk around like this? How many, how many of y'all glad we ain't got to do this no more? Lord Jesus. But some of us, we wouldn't just walk around like this. We will walk around like this. I ain't gonna lie, I was one of those people. Because why do we wear a mask? We wore a mask to protect ourselves, but we also wore a mask to protect others, right? But let's be honest. When you're an introvert like me, you didn't just wear a mask to protect yourself and protect others. You know what you wore a mask for? To hide. Some of us got real comfortable walking around like this. Because we thought we could start getting away with stuff too, right? 
Like, I ain't gonna lie, it's hard sometimes being a pastor. You pull up in Walmart, everybody like, Pastor T! I'm like, oh, I just want some eggs. <laughs> right? But you get on the airplane, you go different places, and when you like this, it's like nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows. And it's awesome because even in the crowd, I could, I could hide myself from people. And this is what a veil does. See, when I'm like this, nobody could get close to me. When I used to sit on airplanes like this, like you know some people you sit down, they just wanna talk. I would get on the airplane like this with my, with my, uh, with my ear pods in. So it's like, please don't talk to me. Why? I wasn't trying to have a conversation in that moment. I was already terrified. I ain't want you to get too close to me anyway. I don't need you talking all up on my face in this little box while we in the sky. Right? So what did I do? I put on a veil in order to hide from people. Why did Moses wear a veil? Most people would say Moses was trying to protect the people from seeing the glory of God directly. That's what we heard our entire life. But Paul actually gives us the real reason that Moses was wearing the veil. Paul says, I, I love this. He says, we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing, he didn't just say seeing the glory, he says seeing the end of what was passing away. Seeing the end of what was passing away. Paul tells us, Moses wasn't covering his face for other people, he was covering his face so that they would not see God's glory diminishing from his face. I don't want... I don't want them to see the power leaving me. So I'm a cover my face so they don't know what's going on behind here. I don't want them to know me in that way. I don't want to have that level of intimacy with them. But you know when Moses would take off the veil? When he was in front of God. You know why? Because his diminishing glory was no match for the glory of God. So when Moses came to God, he's like, man, let me get this off. Woo! What was Moses doing? Moses literally, for lack of a better way to say it, he was faking in front of the people. He was trying to make it look like he still had all the glory, but he didn't have all the glory anymore. So he had to put up a, freight, a, a front. He had to put on a veil. He had to put on a mask so that people would think he was something that he was not. How many times in our lives have we put on a mask so people could think that we are something that we are not? Because in truth, if they really saw who we were, you feel like they actually might be disappointed. But Moses, he's intimate with God. Just like we need to be intimate with God. It's like the intimacy I find in my marriage. When I am with my wife, I'm on another level of freedom. She will see me in ways no other human on the planet will ever see me. Why? Amen. Because we got a level of intimacy. 
I ain't got nothing to hide. I ain't got to be nobody else but Terrence to her. I ain't got to be pastor. I ain't got to be leader. I could just be me. She sees me on the mountaintop. She sees me in the valley and loves me just the same. There's a level of intimacy that I have with my bride and it's the same level of intimacy Christ wants with his bride. No more mask. No more hiding. That little power, that little glory you think you got is cute, but it's diminishing. It can't stand up to my glory. I need to see you for who you really are because I want to show you how I am. And I love God because when Moses is in front of him and the veil is gone, it's like glory looking back at glory. And Moses, when he gets in the presence of God, what happens is he gets recharged because he doesn't have the veil, because he does not have the block, because he does not have a wall up. He gets to glean from the glory of God that's right in front of him. With the veil gone, there is nothing that is blocking the transfer of power between him and God. Some of us are literally walking around with a veil on us, walking into the presence of God and wonder why we leave so weak and defeated. You have placed a blockade on your life from the power. The power that God wants to allow to manifest in you. Love this because Moses kept a veil over his face with the people. You know what they did? They became fake too. And they put a veil over their hearts that some of them still have on it to this day. That's what the Bible tells us. But when Moses was around God, he was free. He was free to be his imperfect self. He was free to be the diminishing version of the glory of God that he was because he knew that God loved him, he created him, and he knew God would not judge him. The best part about Moses removing the veil in front of God was once again, there was now nothing separating him from the glory of God. No veil, no barrier, just him and God face to face. There was, there was a freedom to it. There's a freedom that Moses experiences in front of God. He had to wear that veil with the people because although he had intimacy with God, his glory was fading. Why? Because it was built on the glory of the law. The law was meant to point us in the direction. The law was meant to tell us right and wrong, but the law was never meant to sustain us. So the glory he had was diminishing. But we can live lives with freedom and God and intimacy with God because our glory is not based on the law. Our, Lord, our glory is based on the spirit. We find freedom in the spirit because when we operate in its fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, the Bible says against such things there is no law. There is no law. So we're not living off the glory of the law. We're living off the glory of the spirit. It isn't that the Holy Spirit replaces the law. I want you to understand that. 
but it completes it and it fulfills the work of the written law on our hearts. So in essence, the spirit gives life and with this spiritual life, we are now free to live out God's law. God doesn't just want you to live in freedom, no. There's a freedom that you have when you live in Jesus. I'm never worried about what I'm not supposed to do because instead of worrying about what I'm not supposed to do in God, I worry about all the things I get to do in God. There's a freedom that I live with that I can't be held back on because I'm running after God's purpose in my life. But see, there is not... Listen, I don't, want, I don't want you to miss this. God doesn't want you to just live with the veil off and live in freedom. God wants you to live in glory. And that's why there's one more verse. As I close here, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is where we started. He says, but. See, when you get a but, you know there's more. He's like, hey, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But. So God doesn't just want you to live in freedom. He wants you to live in glory. But we all with unveiled face, because that's how you live in freedom when you take the veil off, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Some don't, some, some translations don't say glory to glory. They say ever-increasing glory. What does that tell me? God wants to take the cap off of my life. He wants to take the governor off. He wants there to be no limits. He doesn't want me to just stay at this level of glory. He wants me to get to the next level of glory. And when I get there, he doesn't want to stop. He says, oh, you think that's it? I got more glory for you. Oh, you cute today because you done showed up to church 10 weeks in a row? Guess what? I got more glory for you. This is what God has for us. He wants to take us from glory to glory. And when you operate in the Holy Spirit, you move from glory to glory. Salvation is not enough. We must operate in the Spirit to move from glory to glory, not backsliding to glory to backsliding. Because that's how some of us live. Let's be honest. You have a moment on a Sunday and you go right back to the same nonsense on Monday. But when the Holy Spirit changes you, there's a change in you. You don't go from glory to backsliding. You go from backsliding to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. What am I saying? There's a process of progress that continually moves you forward. Some of us feel like we take it one step forward, two steps back, when in actuality, you should just keep on walking forward. That's what happens when you move from glory to glory, but that only happens when you live by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I realize the problem. Too many of us are living for man's glory and not God's glory. Remember at the beginning when I told you what glory was? Webster's defined glory as high renown or honor won by notable achievements. But when we read in 2 Corinthians that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, that word glory there is a word called doxa. Everybody say doxa. 
And that word means majesty. It means the kingly majesty which belongs to him, him is God, as supreme ruler. Majesty in the sense of, listen, the absolute perfection of the deity. It means, listen to this, a thing belonging to Christ. It means the kingly majesty of the Messiah. But I love this. It means the absolute perfect inward or personal excellency of Christ. The majesty. The absolutely perfect inward or personal excellency of Christ. So, pastor, what you're telling me is when I have the Holy Spirit, it's going to allow me to live in glory, which means the absolute perfect inward or personal excellency of Christ will live in me? Yes. You see, that's real glory. Man's glory, hear the difference. Man's glory is won by notable achievements. You can only get man's glory after you achieve it. But you can only get God's glory after you receive it from Jesus Christ. You can't pay enough for it. You can't work for it. Can I tell you, he paid it all on the cross of Calvary. All he wants you to do is humble yourself, submit yourself unto him, and you will receive a glory that is the perfect inward or personal excellency of Christ. So in essence, if I'm in Christ's excellence, I can't stay sick. I gotta be healed in glory. If I'm in Christ's excellence, I can't live in lack. I got to live in abundance in glory. If I'm in Christ's excellence, I can't get stuck. I'm a miracle walking in glory. If I'm in Christ's excellence, I can't be powerless. I speak in tongues. I prophesy. I interpret. I discern. I teach. I exhort for God's glory. If I'm in Christ's excellence, I can't carry generational chains on me. Them generational chains are broken because I'm walking in the perfect excellency of Christ. I'm living in glory. If I'm walking in Christ's excellence, I don't go back to my past, but I am walking forward in my purpose towards Christ's glory. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there are people in this room that feel stuck. There are people in this room that feel powerless, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you are walking out the perfect excellency of Christ that will take you from where you are to take you to where God has called you to be. Some of you are living on the ground where you need to be living in glory. God wants to take you not just from ground to glory, but from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory until God calls you home. If you believe it, say amen. Stop living on the ground when God wants you to live in glory. I don't want to live at a low level of faith. I want to live in glory. So with everybody standing in this room, there's two things I want to do today. 
you can't even live in glory till you repent. Like, some of us living in the basement, we haven't even made it to the lobby yet. You gotta repent. See, when you're living in the basement, that's the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. That's the sin that nobody wants to, we throw stuff in the basement we don't want nobody else to look at. God says, repent of that. He says, repent and be baptized. There's people in this room, you gotta, you gotta walk into the elevator on the basement and you gotta hit the lobby. We gotta get you to the lobby first. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.